What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the of the I Don't Know What I'm Talking About Sports Podcast, your weekly podcast talking average sports with a regular guy. Little update: we will be dropping every Sunday. Remember, I'm an average guy, had a job. Monday was getting kind of rough, so I'm gonna drop every Sunday because I'm off. Make it easier for me and easier for y'all to listen to. Great show I got this week. Well, I say great because it's really just me. No special guests. Just me talking, giving y'all some taste, giving y'all some recap, giving you things that, you know what I'm saying, I want to talk about because that's why I made the podcast. Um, this week, I will talk about some hot takes and what I think about the transfer portal and what I think about the upcoming NFL season. First game was Thursday. It was a great game. Sunday, we have a whole slate of games. I'm going to give you a couple of takes what I have about that and my two early Super Bowl picks. Way too early Super Bowl picks, but I'm going to try to do it anyway. But don't take it to heart because I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, But before I get into too much of the show, I want to first of all thank you. If this is your first time listening, you could have picked any other podcast, but you stopped on mine. And I appreciate that. And if you're a reoccurring listener, I thank you for coming back week after week to come listen to me talk sports in the studio slash my living room. But, you know, not going to get too much into anything. We're going to get into this show. If you're ready, let's get it. So this week, this week in episode three, I don't have a guest. So we're going to do a new segment called Anthony's IDK, or I don't know, takes. I really don't know what I'll be talking about. So let's get into some takes that I see early in this athletic football sports season okay um two takes are my main takes and i'm gonna break them both down my first take is the transfer portal has changed college football transfer portal and nil have changed college football completely um with the addition of the transfer portal and nil deals i think the days of multiple powerhouses in football are done I mean, you can see it with Dion's team in Colorado. Overhauled the whole team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Overhauled the whole team just off of the transfer portal. So let's break the transfer portal down and how it's changing football in three ways. What has changed for the good. What has changed for the bad. And what hasn't really changed at all. Let's start with the first one. What hasn't really changed at all? I think your story, the blue blood, whatever you want to call them, college programs are still going to be dominant. Alabama's going to be dominant. Um, USC, Lincoln Riley, they're going to be dominant. Ohio State, Michigan are going to be dominant. Um, Georgia is going to be dominant. But, and maybe Texas. But besides that, everybody else is open game. Everybody else is part of that middle roads of teams that could be good some years and horrible other years. Which brings me on to what the transfer portal in NIL has made better. I think it's made parity. Parity in that diff- any team can change their 
fortunes in a year's time. Back in the day when, when before the transfer portal started, kids had to stay at schools. And they probably would have otherwise left, but if you leave, you had to sit out a year. And your clock had started. If you was already a red shirt and you had to sit out another year, you know what I'm saying? That's two years down the drain, right? So, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, USC was able just to stockpile talent because kids would leave from high school, get an offer from these big programs, and go regardless if anybody who's already there, what your position um, group looks like, they would just go. And then that's why you can have teams that be dominant for years because they just stockpile a bunch of talent. Well, the transfer portal has changed that. With the transfer portal rules, you get one free transfer during your college period. So if you're a freshman and you go to Tennessee, and Tennessee has a stable of running backs, and you see that you're never going to touch the field, you can transfer and not face any penalty. So, that means you can transfer to a Kentucky. Or you can transfer to another group of five schools like Tulane. Or you can transfer to Minnesota. Or somewhere where they're not traditionally good all the time. And make an impact right away. Which is good for those schools because now they're getting talent that they normally would never ever touch. They would never touch. So, if I... Am the head coach of Arizona State. I have access to five stars that I might have would have got out of high, that I was recruiting out of high school, but they went to USC. Went to USC, didn't work out. So now it's telling coaches that you still have to recruit or basically scout players within your conference or within college football because you never know when a player is going to become available. Before, transfers just worked for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks were the only one it worked for. But now anybody can transfer. So that means a whole team can be overhauled. That means you can be bad one year, get rid of players, because let's not forget scholarships are renewed every year, and get a better team overnight with X five-star players, X uh, four-star players, even players that are starting on certain teams are tra- still transferring in the transfer portal just because they don't like the coach or they just want to move to a different scenery or play on a bigger conference. Um, also, you got the what has really helped is the FCS programs. If you're a Division One AA program like your HBCUs and other um, FCS programs, you're now getting players who left high school and said, hey, I'm going to go to um, – Georgia, I'm going to go to Virginia Tech, I'm going to go to one of these Power 5 schools. See, they're not going to make the, make the um, ever touch the field or even maybe get told they have to leave. And now you're getting talent that you normally wouldn't get um, at the FCS level. So that's going to make FCS coaches really be in the transfer portal because now you can change your fortune overnight. So I think it really brings parity. I mean, parity, as far as you're going to see a lot of college football teams be really good and a lot of other teams come back to the pack. I think the SEC's dominance is going to slowly 
dwindle down. I think the Big 12 is going to be better. I think anybody that has any group of five school that has NIL money or boosters that's willing to spend NIL money has a chance for their team to be good. Um, now, let's get into what it hurts. How does the transfer portal hurt college football and who does it hurt? The main losers from the transfer portal are high school students. It's high school students. I don't care what star you are. You can be a four, three. If you're not the top cream of the crop, it's going to be really hard for you to get a scholarship. Because now, especially with what Dion has shown and what other coaches have shown through the transfer portal, why take my time to develop a high school student when I can go get a transfer portal player that's already been in college before? That already know what it's like to go to college, take classes, practice, and everything like that. So I really think your middle-of-the-road high school students, such as your three stars, some of your four stars, are not going to get some of the same scholarship offers that they used to get before. Because the days of building continuity and a culture and a program are over. That's why it hurts high school students. Because you develop high school students. Most of the time in a good program back in the day, or not even back in the day, five years ago, a group, a good program, if you was a freshman, if you didn't touch, most freshmen, unless they was hell or really, really good, didn't touch the field until they were juniors. It's a lot of pros in the pros. It's a lot of pros from these colleges that didn't play till they were juniors. Not freshmen, not sophomores. Like, you gotta understand, the ones that play as a freshman are like crazy good. Crazy good. Because no matter if you're a five-star or whatever, you're still going up in the level of football. Like, going to college is a level up from high school. You're playing better talent every, playing better talent every time you go out there. So it really hurts high school students now because if I'm a coach and I need to win, I'm in the portal. I'm getting that LSU bounce back if I'm at Coastal Carolina. Or I'm getting that um, Alabama guy that decided he wanted to leave that I was already recruiting before when they was in high school. So high school players are really going to have to really – either be really, really good or take offers that they probably wouldn't have thought about taking. You might not get the Power 5 offer. You might be at FCS. Some of y'all might only get Division 2 offers. And that's just real with the with this new transfer portal rule because coaches now don't have the time to develop players anymore, which brings me to my next thing that it hurts. It hurts coaching stability. Let's be real. If Deion goes out here and makes a major bowl game or contends in the Pac-12, all the coaches are on notice. That's why they talk so much junk about him, because he is messing up the old guard of how they've done things. It's no more, I need three years. You have two. You have one full offseason with a recruiting class. It's no more I need a six-year contract because I need to build this program. You have three years to build the program. If I'm in the dumps, you have two if I'm halfway decent. ADs, presidents, and administration are not going to be 
patient anymore with coaches trying to win. And I paused on that because I was thinking for the right words, but really it's win or fire. It's always been win or get fired, but you don't have time anymore. I need you to get us better now because football has become such a money maker for these colleges that I can't don't have time to be losing anymore. That's why they hate on Deion so hard and them coaches have so much to say because some of them are not ready to adapt to the new way of coaching. I personally think it's going to be, especially on the FBS level, it's going to be 60, they're going to recruit 60% transfers and 40% high school students. I think most of the recruiting classes you're going to see now are going to be transfers from other schools and junior colleges and a few high school players. That's the new way of building programs. Yes, it's going to bring parity. Like it's going to be a lot of more players spread out now because they don't have to. They can go somewhere and say, hey, this ain't for me, and I can leave. It's going to be a lot of players that's going to be chasing NIL money. But it's really going to hurt the coaches. And this is not me caping for coaches. You can leave whenever you want. I fight the players. You better leave whenever they want. But I'm just saying the coaches that cannot adapt to this new way of recruiting are going to be left behind on both levels, FBS and FCS, because the Division One AA 80s are not trying to wait for forever for you to build a program either. They might be a little bit more patient, but with this transfer portal, you can go on the portal and get better players or players that's already played, then their patience is going to be running thin. But, again, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I really think after seeing the couple, first couple of weeks that college football has changed. Um, it's changed. Some say for the good, some say for the bad. I really, I'm neutral. I kind of feel for the high school students that really bust their butt and want to get the big offers. But they probably won't come as frequently as they used to. But I also see where it's bringing a better excitement. Saw it in the first week. Duke looked like the better team than Clemson. When we ever five years ago, we would never said that. Duke would have never had a chance, right? Unless it was like a bunch of turnovers or a sloppy game. No, Duke looked like the better team because he went to the transfer portal. Colorado was the better team than TCU because he went to the transfer portal. I mean, it just the proof is in the pudding. Um, my next take is. With NFL football coming up, I'm going to give some of my takes on who I think my Super Bowl picks we will be and my MVP. Before I get into that, I think I said before, it's a couple teams that I'm interested in. So I'm going to give the teams that I want to get, that I think, but probably won't because I don't know what I'm talking about, get to the championship game of their respective conferences. Let's start with the one that I think is more concrete for me. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I feel like this has the best chance of happening. And the AFC, the Chiefs and the Jets. I think the Chiefs are still the cream of the crop. I know they lost to the Lions. I 
I know they didn't look that great, but some way they always figure it out. I think they figure out the Chris Jones contract, get him back, and Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And until I see somebody take them down, I don't really see why they wouldn't make it to another AFC Championship game. I think the next team is the Jets. That defense is amazing. Okay, let's just keep it real. Especially the defensive line. They are going to be a problem. That defensive line is going to be a problem. That defense is going to be a problem. And now then you add Aaron Rodgers and you give him fast weapons. And you also add Dalvin Cook. At this point, I think they're just fighting history. Of the Jets being the Jets. But if they can stay mostly healthy, I think I see them winning the division really handily. I think they win the division kind of easy. I think they win about 13 games. And I see them making it to the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. And then we'll get a matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in the playoff game which I can't wait to see. Some people on the bubble, on the bubble in the AFC, it's really not anybody that I can really see. The AFC South, I mean, they're young. The AFC East, you can always say the Bills. I just don't think the Bills have a run game. And when you don't have a run game, especially where they play in the cold, it's going to catch up to you like it does every year. I, you can say the Bills because they have Josh Allen, they have the targets, and I think the defense is good. But they don't – they just don't have a run game that anybody can trust. Um, in the AFC North, you can say Cincy. I think they're going to be good, but I don't see them being better than the Jets or the um, Chiefs. AFC West, yes, Sean Payton is back. And the Broncos are a lot better, no contenders, and I don't believe in the Chargers at all. So I really think the two front runners for the AFC are the Chiefs and the Jets. The NFC, I think my two championship teams in the NFC, I really think are the 49ers and the Eagles again. I think the 49ers have the recipe that works. Brock, Pur- Brock Purdy makes enough plays. They run the football. You play great defense. It's not sexy. The record's probably not going to be that sexy. But on the end of the road, when, and on the end of the year, when they have it rolling, they're going to be a scary team. And they're going to be hard to stop. I think the Eagles have enough weapons in the NFC to repeat. And go to the NFC Championship game. I don't really see any NFC team really being that strong. Like, let's really break down the conference. NFC South, somebody has to win it. You know what I'm saying? NFC North, I like the Lions. Um, but I don't think they're ready to, like, compete for a Super Bowl. But I do think they win the division. Um, the NFC West, Seattle's nice. Could be good games with the 49ers. Um... But besides that, I don't really see nobody with them two teams unless something changes. Them two teams are the cream of the crop for me. Um, So I really think in the Super Bowl, 
think you're going to have the Jets versus the Niners. I think the Niners have been enough times. I think it's another time for them to go to the Super Bowl. I think the Jets is going to really write this story and complete it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is looks juvenated, rejuvenated. Um, if you look at Hard Knocks, if that receiver core and that offensive line can hold up. With Dalvin Cook, I think they have a good enough defense where they don't have to rely on Aaron Rodgers scoring 30, 40 points a game to win. Aaron just has to go, don't turn the ball over, score 31 to 24 points, and now you're always going to have a chance to win with that defense. And that's just a real my take with the Jets. The Niners, I think the Niners are just going to do what they do every year. Get it rolling at the end of the year. But I think this year the quarterback is going to be healthy. He's not going to get hurt in the championship game. Where they don't have one. I think uh, the Eagles are close. But it's just so hard to get back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls. To get to back-to-back Super Bowls. I mean, I know the Chiefs have done it. But that's just a hard thing to do. Especially when you're now you are the hunted. You're not the hunter anymore. Um... Not saying they're not gonna have a great season, but it's really hard to get back to the playoffs. I mean, back to the championship game after going to the Super Bowl last year. And my last hot take is on MVP and defensive player of the year. I think the MVP this year, besides saying it's going to Patrick Mahomes because he can probably win it every year. I think the Aaron Rodgers has a great season and he wins the MVP this year. My second person, I think, is Lamar Jackson. I think he has the contract. He has a little bit more weapons now, a little bit more to um, work with. I think Lamar Jackson could have another great MVP season. Um, for our defensive player of the year, the only person that really comes to mind is Micah. I mean, I think he's going to really get out to the quarterback this year, have probably lead the NFL in sacks, throw in being top ten in tackles, I think this is his year where he really takes over and shows that he's the best defensive player in the league, which I think he is. But, hey, what do I know? I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, But I really think that he is going to be really my only front runner for defensive player of the year. Of course, you could throw in some other Russians like T.J. Watt, the Bosa brothers. But I think Micah, with – Seeing that he's healthy all the time, I think he's going to be the one that's going to make enough of an impact on a very strong defense to be defensive player of the year. But, hey, what do I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Those are just a couple of my hot takes um, for the week. Hit me up on Instagram, say why I was wrong. Hit me up in my Q&A on Spotify, say why I was wrong. Hey, I could be. I mean, hey, it's real early. Um, I could be wrong about college football. I mean, hey, Alabama might just be Alabama for forever. I don't see how when you can't stockpile talent, but, hey, I could be wrong. Um, but then we just, you know, Anthony's hot taste. Stay tuned. All right, what a 
action-packed weekend in football. Let's recap some of the things that happened this weekend in college football. Let's talk a little bit about um, some games that's coming up this Sunday. A um, couple of games on the FBS level. Um, Colorado, big win, 36-16. I mean, Deion has that team rolling. I mean, defense looked better in this game. I think Nebraska had a lot of self-inflicted um, wounds as far as interceptions, fumbles, and everything like that. But should do it with another great game. And Deion has that team rolling. I really don't see them having another challenge really until they play Oregon or USC in the upcoming weeks. I think next week they play Colorado State. Another big win um, that I saw is for Texas. Texas beats Bama at Alabama. Two-story programs. Texas winning 34-24. I've never seen an Alabama or Nick Saban coach team get ran on like that. I mean, they really ran the ball down their throats. And, you know, Bama, in, in big games, you just can't have turnovers with two picks from their quarterback. It might be the end of an era, you know. Um, not saying that Bama won't be good or have great teams again, but it might be the end of a dominant era of Alabama um, football. Um, most of the big games were on the FCS level, I would say, because a lot of rivalry games that happened. Um, for example, we had the Boombox Classic, Jackson State with the big win over Southern, 27-14 in front of 22,000. Saw a little bit of that game on TV. Sold out crowd. Um, Jackson State rebounds from the game against FAMU. Just a better team than Southern. Um, There's not really much to say about that team, about that game. Um, The Battle of the Bay. Kind of biased. You know, my school, NSU. With the big win, 31-23 with the bounce back. um, Bouncing back after the loss to Virginia State. Um, It was a good crowd out there. Probably got dampened a little bit because it rained early. But, you know, NSU wins the Battle of the Bay. Um, 31-23 in the Aggie Eagle Classic. Um, North Carolina Central with a dominating win over NT, 30-16 in front of a sold-out crowd. Central just like the better team. Ran for over 250 yards, passed for 127. And I said, like I said before, Davius Richards is one of the best players in FCS. I mean, threw for 127, ran for 95. I mean, what else can you say about it? I think he has a chance for a showcase game. Not saying they're going to win, but when you play an FBS team, it's a showcase game. When they go out west to play UCLA, probably going to take an L, but he can showcase what he can do, him and Khalil Baker on the defensive side. The big surprise today was Morgan State versus Akron in Ohio. Um, Morgan State does lose the game 24-21 on a costly fumble with 50 seconds left where Akron scooped and scored to win the game. I mean, Morgan State has surprised me a lot this year. They beat Richmond, a nationally ranked FCS team. They go to Akron, had the game won if it wasn't for that costly penalty, that I mean costly turnover. Definitely would have had that game won. Morgan State held Akron to only 11 yards rushing. That's crazy. I mean, and then nowadays with spread football, I know people pass the ball, but to still hold somebody 11 yards rushing and turn them over over five times is um, really a recipe where you should win. But, you know, went there with the FBS team, competed, almost won the game. Hey, you know, next year, um, just got to move on to the next game. And I think Morgan State is going to be a problem on the FCS level. Um, 
far as college football goes, week two is still early. Week two had a lot of games where the people were playing lower competition, so you had a lot of blowouts. But these about six games that I saw were really the big ones. Um, I think Ole Miss beats Tulane in another ranked um, matchup. Um, Notre Dame walks a dog on NC State after a couple of rain delays. So, you know, week three and week four moving forward, we'll start seeing a little bit more better matchups. This is kind of like the preseason time for college football where you're playing a lot of lesser competition trying to get your guys ready. But tomorrow is week one. We already saw the um, Chiefs go down to the Lions on Thursday. But everyone plays week one on Sunday with NFL with the pros are back in action and it is some games that even though it's early that I am interested in seeing um one game that comes to mind is the Packers versus the Browns I mean Packers versus the Bears excuse me um I think that is a very interesting game you got the Packers with Aaron Rodgers going and the Jordan Love era has officially started and then you turn over to the Bears where you got Justin Fields with the new improved weapons um early division game I'm really interested to see if Green Bay is going to hold that defense is going to hold it down you don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore to bail you out and score points excuse me um I think you should see if this defense that they put all them draft pick draft picks and money into can really hold their weight and then I'm just interested to see what Jordan Love does I mean I hear a lot of good things out of camp a lot of things I saw good in the preseason but let's see what Jordan Love can do now that he is the head man at the Packers and also with the Bears you add DJ Moore you add um, Claypool you add some pieces to that defense let's see what the Bears and the, with their offseason what they can do with this team this year and this is a good test for them in that division which is looking like a very tough division to win another big game is the um, 49ers travel cross country to play Pittsburgh um it's a 1 o'clock start, so it's not really good for the 49ers. For a West Coast team, it's hard to play at 1 o'clock. But the 49ers are, are like one of my favorites to go to the NFC Championship game. So it's always hard to win in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin is a great coach. Kenny Pickett looked a lot better in the preseason. They're always going to – the Steelers are going to play really good. The 49ers are going to have to win the game because I don't think the Steelers are going to beat themselves. I do think the 49ers win, but – I think for it to be a really close game, really great environment, two passionate fan bases. Um, I think it's going to be close really because of the game start. Like I said, it's hard for a team to come cross country and start at 1 o'clock. Um, another big game I see that I was interested in is the Dolphins versus the Chargers. I think these are two teams on the same level and urgency to win. I think with the Dolphins... This is the year for Tua. Like, we see our quarterbacks are getting paid. Um, Tua has to show that he can stay healthy and he can produce at a high level um, so this team can have a chance to win. He has all the weapons. He has the defense is really good. Um, he has a, uh, like about three running backs. He just has to stay healthy and show the team that he can be that quarterback for this team. On the flip side, you got the Chargers. I think this year that head coach has to do something. Um, I know it's a tough division that they play in, but he has to make the playoffs and he has to do something with Justin Herbert as the quarterback because the past couple of years have been really disappointing for the Chargers. So I think there are two teams, the Dolphins and the Chargers, they're playing each other today. 
I think a win would show that this team is a quality team. Um, of course, the Sunday night game is just big if you're an East Coast type person. Since I live on the East Coast, the Cowboys and the Giants, two passionate fan bases. Everybody wants to see what the Cowboys are going to look like. I personally don't think they're going to be this great, that great this year. But um, week one, we get to see what that looked like. And we get to see what the Giants look like. They paid Daniel Jones a good bit of money. They got Saquon to come back. Their defense is looking good. Let's see um, who's going to take the lead in the NFC East this um, year. So, well, most of the other games are really games that, you know, should be easy victories for some of the teams you never know in the NFL. Like you got the Bucks and the Vikings. The Vikings, if they want to be a team that's shown they're a contender, they should easily beat the Bucks. I don't even know who their starting quarterback is. Um, I think it might be Kyle Trask or it might be Baker Mayfield, but either way, um, get to see the two young boys go against each other. You get to see the Carolina Panthers versus the Falcons. Um, get to see Bryce Young for the first time. Get to see B. John Robinson for the first time. That's a little interesting game that you can look into if you um, have the Sunday ticket or if, however you're watching your games. Check into to see how the young boys look. But yeah, I'm very excited, man. We week two of college football was amazing. And now we got week one of um pro football. So it's gonna I think this weekend is the weekend that you sit back and relax. I think the Monday night game is probably the best game of the week between the Bills and the Jets. I think two teams trying to establish themselves. The Jets trying to show they're not the old Jets. And they got Aaron Rodgers and a lot of um good pieces and the Bills just trying to get over that hump. The Bills I think last year was disappointing for them. I think for the Bills to be better, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. They can't just depend on Josh Allen to throw the ball 60 times. But I think Monday night is the best game of the week. Um, I think there's no other game that really compares. You got two teams that's really contending to get to the AFC Championship game. Same division. Um, Really can't get no much better than that. Um, So... That's really where I'm at with the NFL games, college games. So, I think we're going to wrap up this show. So, good show this week. It was just me. Um, No special guests. Tried to do my best. (laughs) But, you know, we just talking sports talk, football. Don't forget to follow us at IDK Sports Pod 23 and ask me any questions that you would like and see um, anything you want me to talk about on the show. And don't forget that we drop, change the date. We're dropping every Sunday now. So right before your, your football gets on some pro football, hear some of my takes, hear some of my college takes, we're going to drop every Sunday. Um, again, get us at any, anywhere you get your podcast at, Apple Pods, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your pods, you can listen. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Until next time, I'll holler.